that's how we roll. Today is Friday, March 5th, 2021, time for episode 139 of the Barnhart Podcast. And it's been an unusual... No, we didn't give up the podcast for Lent. We just had a slightly longer <laughs> break than usual. And uh, no, there's no falling out between Anne and me, so... Um, or I, you know, or Anne and Mark and Dr. Matza. I got somebody emailed asking me if if I was fighting with them. And I, I, where, and I just think, where in the world... Do people get things like this? And then you realize this is how rumors get started. Just absolutely people bizarrely just reading things into, into I, I don't even know what. I, I don't even know what could have possibly been said or done to give anybody the impression that that any of us are, are in any way in any sort of a disagreement with each other. Bizarre, but like I said, that's how rumors get started. So there you go. It must have been on the internet. Yep, yep. There, therefore, it was true. And people who have never met any of us reliably inform other people of our <laughs> of our uh, private of our private communications and the state of our private friendships. <laughs> certainly, certainly. God bless the internet. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm definitely having a Lent. Uh, it is definitely giving up a lot of stuff, and it, it's it's hurting in a good way. And it's also something where, I, I, with 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 very little um, tongue in cheek, I'm like, what's going on in the world? I mean, I I know that Bergoglio went to Babylon. I know that some other news items are going on because, um, actually, it reminded me of 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 a story or a saying a priest had. It's like I haven't I haven't read the news in a long time and haven't missed a war yet. But I guess we did do some bombing in Syria, and I, I I didn't realize about that on the headlines until a day later. Absolutely, it's they've already started back up the war machine situation, and um, I think uh, um, Bergoglio arrived in in Iraq, and he's supposed to do the Freemasonic um, Satan worshiping ritual, and you know I wish I were being facetious, but he's literally going to a grand temple built, I mean, thousands of years before our Lord's incarnation um, and is dedicated to, of all things, of all things, if anybody is old school and remembers my work on Islam, you know, which is like almost a decade ago now, um, you remember that that um, Allah, in quotes, was allegedly based on a... Uh, a pagan moon deity. Well, guess who this temple is dedicated to? The um, Babylonian moon deity. And I mean, I know this is just a coincidence, and I'm not dumb enough to think that modern modern English has anything to do with with anything that was going on in the Middle East thousands of years before um, before our Lord our Lord's incarnation, but. It is. It is. Uh, it puts a a wry smile or kind of a an eye rolling kind of a snarky reaction is elicited when you realize that the name of the pagan moon deity is S I N. I don't really know how that would be pronounced, other than 
the intuitive English pronunciation scene or sin or something like that. I don't know, but I mean, you just, you see it and you just, you're just like, okay, so Antipope Bergoglio is going to a pagan temple. He's going to perform a Freemasonic ritual with Musloids and, um, rabbinic Talmudic Jews, um, in a, in an act of worship, of this of this pagan moon deity and uh, you know i we look back at what happened in october of 2019 when he worshiped when he worshiped the pachamama um demonic iteration maybe pachamama is even a demonic iteration of satan himself and we look at the timing of that and the fact that the, the corona scam began literally immediately or or at exactly the same time as that happened and a hell mouth was opened and you just wonder i wonder i wonder what the hell mouth that opens up as a result of a man running around masquerading as the vicar of christ on earth uh, performing freemasonic satan worshiping rituals in pagan temples dedicated to allah the moon deity um What's going to come out of this? And I know that Nurse Claire um, is of the opinion that the the effects of the death jab are going to start manifesting here pretty quick. And so I think that that might be a distinct possibility that, you know, this second hell mouth is opened and you're going to start seeing people die and uh it, you know, the, a cytokine storm is a very, very ugly thing. It's not like pneumonia, which is when your lungs fill with, you know, mucus, like snot, you know. A cytokine storm is when your lungs fill with pus. Uh, it's, a, it's a different thing. And um, there's, there's really nothing that can be done about it for all intents and purposes once it starts. So, um, but, you know, as, as I posted the the prayer of saint augustine which i'm praying every day in lent and it's just a, a re repetitive reiteration of the fact that oh yeah we deserve this <laughs> we deserve this and and don't you even start in on any of that i didn't do nothing i don't deserve this we all what what we all every single one of us deserve um we ca we can't even conceive of what it is that we deserve. We can't even understand how offensive our sins are to God. And um, the whole whining about how we don't deserve any of this is, uh, boy, you're not in a spiritually healthy place if you're, if you're trying to convince yourself and convince others of that. It's just so wrong, so wrong. That's kind of what Lent is about, is confronting your sins and, and just trying to get your head around um, the reality of sin, the reality of your sin, and the reality of what our sins mean to God and why it is that, that he had to incarnate and go to the cross. Um, it's, and, and you know, that love that that's, that's at the root of all of it and how, how enormous, uh, enormous is the wrong word because enormous is, has a negative connotation, how infinitely huge that love is and how we just really, really, really didn't deserve and don't deserve what he did for us and that it's so gratuitous. It's so infinitely gratuitous. Um, so that's, that's what Lent's all about, Charlie Brown. Now the the pagan temple where this um, 
event is going to be taking place, that that moon deity wouldn't happen to also be un, under whatever pre if, if it's pre-christian it would be also pre-islamic so is, is this would this go back to zoroastrian is there any chance that the the moon deity is also the deity of pestilence um i'm not sure uh let's see s-i-n of grand temple ur the ziggurat of ur neo-sumerian ziggurat which is what the blah, 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 blah. Um, where's the name of the deity? Uh, I don't know. It's all bad news. Cause remember the, the gods of the, uh, the gods of the Gentiles are all demons. Yep. So Psalm 95, five, we have that on the highest authority. Yep. Dedicated in honor of, Oh, the other name is, Nana, N-A-N-N-A, slash, or, and, or, um, S-I-N. Whoa, 21st century before Christ. Wow, that's old. Uh, Well, let's see. Oh, I can, there's a link there. Okay, what is this thing? Sinam. God of the moon of the Mesopotamian religions of Sumer, Akkad, Assyrian, Babylonia, Sumerian deity, the son of Enlil and Ninlil, and became identified with the Semitic Zin. Oh, there's a whole biography of this thing. Yes, interesting. Okay, cool. So we're going to have that well, in the show Lord notes. of wisdom. Lord of wisdom. Ooh, like Gnosticism. Uh-huh. Okay, I see why the Freemasons love it so much. Okay, we'll put we'll put this. It's just the Wikipedia article, but we'll put it in the show notes. Wiki link. Okay. Naturally regarded as the head of the pantheon. So there you go. That implies that implies Satan, father of the gods, chief of the gods, creator of all things. Oh, yes. oh, oh we had a wife. <laughs> oh, good grief. Oh, yeah, it's all. Oh, very interesting. Oh, well, well, we won't well, we won't spoil the surprise. We'll put it in the show notes. So the the looser formula for the show tonight, um, anybody listening can probably hear it already. Uh, typically, Anne's got uh, four or five bullet points, or, or or definitely a head of steam and something she wants to talk about. And and I may have been following the news and have some some things to add to it. But honestly, I haven't been following the news. And and and, and while there are things going on in the world, really not a lot's going on. I mean, we we know that Bergoglio is not up for spreading the faith right now anywhere, not the Catholic faith anyway. Um, it just feels like, you know, turning horses into Big Macs on that, that topic. We've talked about the jab and, and COVID and that whole scam. It, it just would be, again, we're making more McDonald's, uh, hamburgers here in, in which you can't eat during Lent anyway. So, or at least yeah. I'm, I'm trying not to, um, so it's, it's, it's definitely a looser, it's going to be a shorter uh, episode. It's just more. It's also going to be just, a snack pack. We're just checking in to make sure everybody knows that we're still here and we're okay. And we're just sitting and watching. And yeah, I mean, we were, we were doing the pre-show warm up, and it's like, 
what do you got? And I go, ah, you know, just not too much. It's the same old, same old. Oh, and I, and we're also, um, Mark and Dr. Matza and I are going to try to record something early next week because we've, the, um, Frank Walker did his poll and that's over with now. And so we kind of wanted to maybe do a little round table, just kind of discussing, discussing the poll and all that. So we're going to try to do that early next week. So, Super Nerd and I just said, let's do a snack pack for this for 139. Well, and, and yeah, and we're not, not even going to link to the poll because, again, that's topic for Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the topic or one of the things you mentioned when we were going over the topics and talking about just, you know, everyone with the, with the, the topic with the uh, I keep saying the word topic too many times uh, on the subject of the the jab because it's not a vaccine. And people knowing it, they probably shouldn't get it, but I have to get it anyway. I'm going to take it. You, you said it reminded you of a story uh, at DIA, which I assume yeah. is Denver International, and mm-hmm. and somebody literally saying, I have to get onto a burning train to get to my plane. Yes. So back in in the day in my career, when I especially when I was teaching my cattle marketing schools, I flew like every other weekend. I was flying all the time, going through DIA all the time. And so if I remember correctly, if anybody's not familiar or not familiar with Denver International Airport, the way it's laid out is there's a, a terminal, which is all the check-in and all the baggage claim and all of that. And that's the thing that's, it's a tent. It's a, the architecture is, the ceiling is a, is a tent um, and it's really, you know, pointy and uh, I think it's ugly, but you know, whatever. That's that's modern architecture for you. It, so was, you got it heat- was supposed to evoke the snow-capped Rockies. Yeah, no, <laughs> it, it it evokes Barnum and Bailey to me, and it's just kind of silly. But you know, I mean, it, DIA pretty decent airport. I always thought it functions pretty well. That the overall layout is is uh, very 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 easy. It's not like you know. Dallas, like, uh, yeah, Dallas, DFW, where good grief. I mean, you just never have any idea where you are when you're at DFW. Anyway, um, I digress. So at, at Denver International, there's, there's the terminal, and then there are three concourses in a, in a straight line. Um, and so there is a tram, an underground people mover, that gets you from the terminal to concourse A, and there's a stop, and then it goes to concourse B, which is the big one, because that was the United terminal, and then it finally stops at concourse C. This thing is an underground tram. It's a subway. So I want to say I flew in to concourse B, um, and you have to get on the, if you're on concourse B or concourse C, you have to take the tram. There's not a walkway. There is a walkway from the terminal to A. And I would always just walk across that if I was flying out of A. But if you're going to B or C or coming back from B or C, you have to get on this train. You have to get on this people mover. So I'm coming back and I'm on the train. And I think if I recall, it had either three or four cars and I'm on the thing on the end and the, the car on the opposite end, or is that right? Well, anyway, long story short, I get off and the train is on fire. It's on fire. 
and it's it's one of it's the car that's at the end and it was like the air conditioning unit or something had had you know burst into flames and caught on fire the train is on fire so everybody's everybody gets out and you know everybody's kind of standing there looking at this thing and you know standing around and dude the, the train's on fire you know this guy comes barreling into the the little uh, station area where we all are. I mean, and you can see the thing is on fire. There's smoke the whole nine yards. And this guy is pushing and trying to get onto the train. Now, not the car that's on fire, but another car. Um, but it's the same train. And people are like, Dude, no, dude, it's on fire. You can't, you cannot get on. It's on fire. This guy keeps saying, and he's fighting people off and he's trying to get on the train. And he's saying, I have to get on the train or else I'm going to miss my flight. And they're like, dude, no, they had to literally pull this guy off and block him from getting on an underground tram that is on fire burning and you say, and you say to yourself how is this even possible what what is going through this guy's mind and this whole deal with um the death jab i mean you can sit you can lay out to people and explain to them this is not a vaccine um even if it were a vaccine, coronavirus vaccines are incredibly dangerous. They have all kinds of um, proven track records of, of killing people who they try to vaccinate with any type of coronaviridae by causing a hyperimmune response. They've been trying to get a corona vaccine for decades, and they can't do it because it, it just doesn't work. But that's not even what this is. This mRNA tag, it creates a completely unique antibody, which is the holy grail of all bioweaponry, that then someone can come in with a genetically engineered um, coronavirus that is specifically tuned to this completely unique antibody that you're getting yourself inject that you're getting M mRNA injected into your body, which you will never be able to get out, which is going to create this tag, this antibody tag that then once you, once you pick up either a coronavirus that's out in the wild, or if they already have a genetically engineered one ready to go that they're going to release, you will die a horrible death of a, of a hyperimmune reaction cytokine storm, your lungs will fill with pus and you will die. And there is nothing that anyone will be able to do to reverse this. It, you will die. And people look back at you and say, yeah, but I have to get it so I can fly. Or yeah, but I have to get it to keep my job. Uh, or, yeah, I have to get it or I'm not going to be able to ever eat in restaurants again or, you know, go into go into Walmart ever again or go to the mall ever again. And you say, now, I I'm going to say this to you again. This death vax is literally poison. It's poison. And they say, yeah, but I have to get it 
or else I'm going to lose my job. And you, and you just, you just sit and, and shake your head and realize that there's, there's just not any getting through this. You, there's, there really isn't much you can say to people. Um, they, they are so blind and, you know, everybody, but especially nurse Claire, nurse Claire in, uh, you know, private, uh, group chats and so forth, just keeps saying, she keeps saying, I don't understand these. Uh, and, and she, you know, she's, she's encountering this from physicians, um, high level nurses. These are, these are educated people. The, we're not talking about, you know, hillbillies with IQs in the seventies. We're talking about people with, with significantly above average IQs who you say, here's the evidence of what this is. This is poison. These people have an agenda of radical, super rapid Malthusian human population reduction. They've been very open about this. They want to get the human population under a billion, and they want to do it in a matter of a few years, just a few years. How, how do you do that without poisoning people with a biological weapon? And it's just, well, I have to do it or else I'm going to lose my job. Well, I have to do it or I'm never going to be able to go on vacation again. And it's, it's what I keep reminding Nurse Claire and other people, whoever brings this up, about these people just being in this, uh, this zombie trance state. It's even, it's beyond cultic. It's beyond, it's beyond the dynamic. And these people have converted to a religion. COVIDism is a religion. Um, but it's, it's beyond even that. Why are these people absolutely insistent that they have to take a poison so that they can, you know, go on vacation in Cancun or something like that. And I keep reminding sin makes people stupid. And I think a lot of people just don't sit and realize um, the, the proportion of the population that engages in habitual mortal sin and is completely unrepentant and um, has been some, and some of them are Catholic and some of them go to mass and have received the Eucharist, you know, in a, in a fairly regular way for years, if not decades. Um, and what that does to you um, again, go, just stop and, and think for a minute about just go down the list of things that are mortal sin that, most people around us today do and don't think are sin and have absolutely no intention of stopping and certainly no intention of repenting of it. Self-abuse. Look at the, look at the ubiquitous, the ubiquitousness of porn. I think, again, guys, I think a lot of you don't realize that the traffic on Pornhub absolutely dwarfs YouTube, dwarfs it. Who, who, who's, who's looking at this stuff? The answer is basically everybody at this point. So self-abuse, contraception, again, almost everybody, almost everybody either is, is contracepting or did when they were younger and, and they were in, you know, especially women now I'm, I'm referring to who are fertile. Um, 
they they did it for their entire their entire fertile life, you know, um, and don't believe it's a sin, are not sorry, and have and have absolutely no intention. It wouldn't even occur to them that they need to repent and ask God's forgiveness for this. So what do we got? We've got porn and self-abuse. We've got contraception. Look at all the people you know who are divorced and remarried and are absolutely convinced that there's nothing wrong, that God completely, as long as they went and got a civil divorce, um, you know, most people are convinced that you can start quote unquote dating as soon as, as soon as you've separated, you don't even, people today don't even think that you have to wait to, for the civil divorce to come through. I mean, it's very common, um, especially for, for Hollywood celebrity people, right? People who are totally legally married and okay, it's all right. All we have to do is separate and then we can, we can start dating. Now think about all the people that you know. I, I know lots of people from, you know, my childhood and back in the day. And it, in fact, it's scary if you sit down and make a list, uh, an inventory in your head. I'm not saying you should sit down and make a list of other people's mortal sins, but just sit down and make, make an inventory of people that you know through over the course of your life and just look at how many instances there are of people who are divorced and remarried. And there's, and you know, my position on annulments, I think most annulments are absolutely bogus that are handed out by the, by the uh, post-conciliar church. I don't, I wouldn't trust any annulment basically. I mean, there, at any time that you, (laughs) you look at a diocese and their, their percentage of annulments that they hand out relative to the the requests, some of them are a hundred percent. Bay McFarland, the, um, Oh, what is her organization called? Mary's, Mary's Advocates. Advocates. Mary's Advocates. That she can rattle off a list of um, dioceses and archdioceses in the United States who have a one hundred percent annulment granting rate. I mean, come on. Before before that, there were only there were only a handful of annulments handed out per year before. The asteroid hit in the middle of the 20th century because the 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 criterion for for Jesus actually not coming to your wedding is are so tight and so limited. Um, you know, just abject cases of of fraud, um, consanguinity. You know, finding out that you're actually related to someone. I mean, it was it was really really tough to get an annulment because Jesus almost always does come to the wedding because the stability of marriage and the family is the foundation upon which human society and civilization is built. It's it's the the home church. You can't have that unstable. And so of course our Lord was going to people's weddings all all the time. And now now anti-Pope Bergoglio, the anti-John the Baptist, I'm convinced, is actively trying to spread the propaganda. And he said this multiple times. He said he has said that more than half of sacramental weddings are invalid. Well, no, they aren't. No, they aren't. It's it's just this culture of trying to destroy marriage and the family, as was prophesied. Um just think about how many people you know. I mean, and to a certain extent, even even I'm kind of 
uh, chicken about, I mean, do I sit down and say, boy, I have to get a hold of so-and-so who I knew when I was a child and warn them that because they're, they're divorced and remarried that, you know, they're, they're in a state of mortal sin. Um, I, I have to tell this and these and such people that who I know contraceptor or who I know have done, um, mechanical um, sterilization, either tubes tied or vasectomy. Do, do, do I come home every day and sit down and say, boy, I have to compose an email to these people that I knew decades ago and, and warn them and make sure they understand that they know that if they are, if they are mechanically infertile and they've done that to themselves, that every single time they um, enjoy the conjugal embrace, that that's a mortal sin. That they're just masturbating. Um, do I do that? Actually, no, I don't. About the the most aggressive thing that I do is I make blog posts and hope that some people are touched by that, or you know, make little rants like this on the podcast. But obviously, I'm 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 not um, so. I get maybe it's a lack of zeal on my part. Maybe it's a lack of fraternal charity on my part. Maybe I should be doing that. Um, I don't know, but think about how many people you know that are in a state of unrepentant mortal sin and you realize, oh my gosh, oh my goodness. How many people never, ever, ever go to confession? How many Catholics never go to confession? Because it's basically been eliminated in the Novus Ordo Church. Yep. Yep. Um, there's, there's other examples and other criteria. It's kind of horrible to sit around and talk about other people's sins, we probably should be focusing on our own, especially during Lent, but it answers the question. Um, and you know, nurse Claire, this, I kind of consider this, her question is what in the hell is wrong with these people? They cannot think they cannot process objective information that's right in front of them. You tell them it's poison, and they say, "I have to take. I have to take it so I can so I can go on vacation." Like, how can you go on vacation if it's if it's poison and it kills you? You know, and there's just there's just nothing there. There's no there there, and it's not that they're low IQ. It's not that they're retarded. Remember, the analogy is in terms of this IQ and this and this darkening of the intellect. You have a person. Let's say they've got an IQ of a buck twenty. Well, that's like, you know, having, having a sports car, but the thing, you've got the thing in neutral and you, you can stand on the throttle all day long and the engine will rev and, you know, it has the capacity to produce, to produce a, a spectacular horsepower and torque curve. But you've got it in neutral. The transmission is disengaged. So there's no way to get the energy that the, that the engine has the, the capacity to produce. There's no way to get that to the ground so long as the transmission is disengaged, as so long as you're in neutral. And that's pretty much what it's like when you're in a state of unrepentant mortal sin. You know, you have the most, you have the biggest fleet of high-performance sports cars or ginormous SUVs with 
massive towing capacity and and this that and the other but man if 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 everybody is just mashing a throttle with no transmission engaged then it you're done you can't have any movement and beyond that if you've got it in neutral and you're sitting on and you're sitting on a slope if you're sitting on an uphill slope, you're going to, you're going to roll backwards. You're going to roll backwards and gravity is going to win. So that's, that's what's going on around us. The man has to get on the train, but that's on fire because he's going to miss his flight. And all of our neighbors that we see on the street and, and roundabout every day, well, by golly, they just, they have to get an, a poison injection because if they don't, they're not going to be able to go to Applebee's. I mean, it's it's really to that point. That's where we are. And with regard to your friends who you, you question, should you call them up and and um, uh, convict them of sin, for, for lack of a better term? Yeah. Um, certainly praying for sinners is the, is the right first step. I mean, mm-hmm. on, on mental prayer and, and prayer for others, I mean, our lady Fatima tells us that many souls go to hell because nobody prays for them. At the very least, prayer is not lost on these people, um, whether it's you or somebody else who, who is going to give them the, the message of faith and the message of conversion. If they, if they aren't softened up, so to speak, uh, by, through the, you know, the, the heavy artillery of prayer, beforehand then then it's it's going to be a hard target and it's going to be hard hard for them to convert but if if you offer prayers and sacrifices for their conversion that definitely is is going to help whether it's you or somebody else who ends up talking to them eventually well and you know what's really interesting when you when you said that is what occurred to me is the leonine prayers one of my favorite prayers which i actually have added to the end of my rosary cuz i like it so much um is the the prayer in the Leonine prayers. So the Leonine prayers, Pope Leo had the um, what's it called? The locution when he when you hear something. Um, he heard a conversation between Satan and our Lord, and it was you know Satan saying, "I can take I can take you down. I can take the church down." And our Lord said, oh, "Go ahead." And he said, all right, give me a hundred years. And our Lord said, all right, you got a hundred years, <laughs> which, you know, kind of amazing, kind of amazing. But, you know, in the divine providence, God is perfectly good. So he knows that, that some amazing, incredible good is going to come out of all this. But Leo the 13th hears this conversation and is like, oh my gosh. So he immediately oh, says, more than, all more right. than that, his, his uh, attendants thought he was dead. He, he fell to the ground and he wasn't even breathing. They really? I, that he was I didn't dead. know that. Oh man. Well, if, if I heard that too, I I would be definitely paralyzed. Um, so Leo the Thirteenth, you know, he he's the Pope. He's he's the Vicar of Christ on Earth, and he says, "All right, everybody, here's what we're gonna here's what we're gonna do. After every low Mass, you're gonna say these prayers, um, and they're called the Leonine prayers. So after low Mass, you're gonna the priest in in his vestments, even bef- before he processes out of the sanctuary, the last thing he's going to do is he's going to get down on his knees and he's going to say three Hail Marys. He's going to say the Hail Holy Queen. He's going to say this prayer, which Leo the 13th um, composed himself. 
Oh, and I'll, I'll circle back to it. I'll Jensaki back to it. Um, he's going to say, you're going to say the, the prayer to St. Michael, the archangel, and you're going to say, um, most sacred heart of Jesus have mercy on us three times. Here is the prayer that Leo the 13th specifically composed. O God, our refuge and our strength, look down with favor on thy people who cry to thee, and through the intercession of the glorious and immaculate Virgin Mary, Mother of God, St. Joseph, her spouse, the blessed apostles Peter and Paul, and all the saints, mercilessly and graciously hear the prayers which we pour forth for the conversion of sinners and for the liberty and exaltation of our Holy Mother, the Church, to the same Christ our Lord. Amen. That was said from Leo the Thirteenth all the way until guess who suppressed it? Well, it's not, it's not part of the new mass. No, exactly. So who suppressed it? Um, I guess that'd be Paul the sixth. Paul the sixth, Paul the sixth suppressed the Leonine prayers. And so everybody stops praying for the conversion of sinners. And me personally, I mean, this is, you don't have to do this, but me personally, when I say the, oh God, our refuge and our strength prayer, which is like multiple times a day, every day, because I, I say it, I've added it to the conclusion of my rosary. And then of course I say it after, after mass every day. Um, um, when you get to the, the line where you say, um, for the conversion of sinners, I beat my chest at that. Cause you know, the conversion of sinners part needs to start with me first. Um, and then the, the next phrase is for the liberty and exaltation of our Holy Mother, the church. And of course, now the church is in eclipse being held captive by um, totalitarians. And the Holy Father is also being apparently held captive by totalitarians to some degree or another. So everybody stops praying for the conversion of sinners and everybody stops praying for the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church. And look what happens, you know. And it was said that early on, the intention for the Leonine prayers was for the conversion of Russia. And for the conversion of Russia and for the intentions of the Pope. And now the snarky joke for quite some time has been that, no, we should say the Leonine prayers for the conversion of the Pope and for the intentions of Russia. Ha, 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 ha. You know, but it's, it's funny because it has that element of, oh, my goodness, um, you know, what's coming out of Moscow is more morally solid than what's coming out of the Vatican with the anti-papacy, obviously, and really the infiltration since um, Vatican II. So there you go. I have nothing else to add to that. Say, say the, oh God, our refuge and our strength prayer just by itself. I mean, you know, yeah, obviously it was, it was composed for, um, for that aftermath Leonine grouping, but man, that's a, that's such a awesome, powerful prayer. Um, and I highly recommend it. And like I said, I use it at the conclusion of my rosary. So I recommend that for everyone too. And that concludes the DIA train story, right? That is, that's the DA train story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> with some, with some sidetrack tangents and, and, uh, it, but that's typically what we do when we talk. That's how we roll. <laughs> now, let's see. We targeted 20, 30 minutes and we're coming up on 40, which again is how we roll. Um, a couple other things you had, you had asked, were there, were there any questions left over? And I, mm-hmm. 
I think at one time I still had some leftover Ask Ann questions, except that I overwrote those in, in, with the note system that I use. It's just my Barnhart podcast next up is the title of the note. And I I tend to, when, I, when I'm done with the podcast, just erase all my notes and start over because uh, that's usually the repository between now and, and whenever we record the next one that I'll just throw tidbits on there, links and things like that. But um, uh, going through the email beforehand, uh, I did want to mention, um, so we, we talked in the last podcast, the topic of relative IQ uh, among couples came mm. up. And I know we brought this up on a previous podcast. And I want to say that I brought this up when we were talking or certainly afterwards, I was kicking myself again, like like this time, that I didn't bring up the most obvious um, exception to the rule. And that is uh, Our Lady. There's unquestionably she had the higher IQ, the higher intelligence, the higher the stronger force of will and all, all, all possible attributes over St. Joseph. Uh-huh. And the, the, the corollary or the, the, or I guess the flip side to that is you don't have to have high intelligence to be a, a pride case and, and a, and somebody who's opposing the will of their husband. Right. And I mean, the, the example of our lady and St. Joseph is, it can certainly be incredibly instructive. And I've got to put a plug in for um, a book, which I've recommended before, and we'll put it in the show notes. It's a mystic, an Italian mystic from the um, 1700s, Maria Cecilia, now, how do you say this? B-A-I-J, Baige, Bai, um, I don't know, but B-A-I-G, Maria Cecilia Baige. Um, she wrote a book called The Life of St. Joseph, and it's one of the most beautiful books I've ever read. It's kind of Anne Catherine Emmerich-y in that it's, she was given um, visions and insights into the, the life of St. Joseph. And so she's able to describe these, these scenes and conversations and what it was actually like for the two of them you know, living together and what it was like around the house. And I mean, how could you not have curiosity about that? And it, it is absolutely amazing that Our Lady was just, just so, well, it's, it's not surprising because she's, she's Our Lady, but she was so pitch perfect in, in how she um, uh, related to him and perfectly deferred to him, even though, I mean, you know, when she's, when she's carrying our Lord in her womb, our Lord is like talking to her and, and, and literally telling her what to do, where to go. And, and she's just, she's just interacting with St. Joseph perfectly so that, you know, St. Joseph says, well, you know, what, what should we do now and where should we go? And Our Lady just steers it so that St. Joseph ends up being the one making the recommendation, making the decision. I mean, it's just, it's, it's so beautiful and, and so and, inspiring. And without a sense of manipulation either. No, no, she's not, she's not being manipulative at all. It's, it's, it's just wonderful. And so, yeah, of course, I mean, she's the, she's the highest creature ever created. Um, so yes, of, of course she had a, she had a higher IQ and, and God is, is conversing with her interiorly explicitly, I mean, certainly, but that doesn't mean that um, she still didn't uh, 
honor the ordinance of marriage and and all, it's it's just incredible and it should be it should be required reading for all of these feminists and a- any young girl today any young girl today should have to read this book and say that's how you roll that's how a woman behaves that's what you should be modeling yourself off of and um it is it is and what you'll realize if you read this book is how truly satanic the feminist milieu is. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir when I say that to, to this listenership, obviously, but I, I want to take it a step further. And I'm going to say to you, even knowing as well as we do how evil feminism, feminism is, if you read this book about Our Lady and St. Joseph and their interactions together, you'll realize that we actually don't even remotely appreciate how utterly evil and satanic the entire feminist milieu is it's um you you need to understand the enemy you know and reading this book goes a long way by showing the counter example of what what it's actually supposed to be like and what people should be striving towards in terms of husband wife relationships i will try to find this book for my own uh, benefit even though i I'm not a big fan of reading, uh, visually reading books. Uh, that might be the partial dyslexia. I'm, I'm more a fan of audiobooks, but I somehow suspect this one's not in audio format. Um, well, I'll send you the link, um, and then you can see if you can find it on a platform other than um, Evil Amazon, because everybody's right. I, um, what, oh, what the context was the um, the book by the really the really wonderful. Um, Colombian attorney who's written the wonderful systematic um, legal case on uh, the invalidity of Pope Benedict's resignation. Her name is Estefania Acosta Ochoa. And so her book, it looks like, I think it's published by Amazon's publishing on demand um, service that it has. And somebody emailed me and said, oh, man, it's Amazon. I don't want to buy it from Amazon. I like, I know, I feel you. And we should all we should all be doing what we can to get get away from Amazon as much as humanly possible. I don't or do we it, does my website have any dependency upon AWS or anything like that? No. OK, cool. That's good. to not, know. Not your website. No. OK. OK. Um, but yeah, we should all strive to detach ourselves from the Bezos regime as much as possible. But yeah, the the um, Acosta book is, I think, it's just exclusively on Amazon, unfortunately. Um, so I found I found the book and I've sent it to you. I sent you the Amazon link, but then Super Nerd, I'm sure he'll be able with his Super Nerd magic skills, be able to find the book somewhere else um, so that you're not giving money to Amazon. But yeah. I'll Everybody try. I mean, if, if it's if it's only available through through Amazon, then it's only available through Amazon, and and, and unfortunately, uh, they do have the best self publishing platform out there right now. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, and, and actually, I'm I'm quoting somebody uh, who who does a podcast called Privacy, Security, and OSINT, which is open source intelligence, and he publishes a book uh, every year. It's it's two main books that he, uh, he revises every year, and he says, "I really wish I could publish someplace else other than Amazon, but." There is no platform out there, and every single time I publish a book, I look for an alternative, and it's either 
twice as much or half the quality. It just, we, I can't get away from Amazon at the moment. Even even well, though his his personal Lulu inter- is really good. Lulu, well, I get maybe mm-hmm. not. Maybe Lulu is just so small and boutique that it's not enough. I don't know. Yeah, I almost want to say, are they owned by Amazon or <laughs> because a lot of uh, yeah, a lot of these yeah. a lot of these companies they there 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 are all these weird uh, crossovers behind the scenes and who owns what. I mean. Uh, for example, PayPal, a lot of people say, ah, oh, I hate PayPal. I'm going to get away from, hate send me money on Venmo. Uh, do you know, realize who owns Venmo? That's yeah. a PayPal company. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's everywhere. Oh, and the other thing, we've all seen the um, Coca-Cola, be less white, social justice warrior, um, required racism training or whatever it is. Yeah, that I, I heard about that. I didn't see it, but um, I, I, I've seen some memes that uh, Pepsi be more white, and it was it was featuring Michael Jackson as the pitch person on that. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, really, if you consume any sort of prepackaged, even water, look, look and see, and so much is owned and bottled by Coca Cola that it's not just a matter of stop drinking coke it's they own so many brands it's crazy so if and i don't want to give coke any any money at all anymore i mean you know but there's even even if you order a bottle of water you might still be um i think dasani is coke um it's really tough to get away from some of this stuff but you have to be diligent yeah, that's that's a. If you're not sure who owns what and whatever brand you're looking at, just go to Wikipedia and find out who's the parent parent company. And usually, you mm-hmm. can spider walk that up and figure out, you know, just who who the twenty companies are that own everything. Just about. Yeah. Yep. Uh, speaking see. of speaking oh, of oh Lulu, Lulu Group International. Oh no, that's a shopping mall. That's different. It says it's owned by Yusuf Ali. I think that's a different company. I don't think it's the same. Anyway, yeah, and it's definitely not Lulu, Lululemon either. I, all no, I know is that that's a no. that's a burnt clothing brand. I, that's all I know what it is. Yep. No, I can't find it. Oh well, the listenership will figure it out. They they always answer all of our questions that we leave open. In fact, they they usually answer them within a few hours of a podcast being posted. So. <laughs> Let's see. Speaking of uh, questions, uh, somebody wrote in uh, asking about. Uh, at, well, it was to me actually. It wasn't. It wasn't to uh, both of us to the podcast address. Um, saying, I know that you promoted the the messaging service Signal as secure, but uh, you might find this interesting. And it was a link to uh, Zero Hedge, talking about a case where the FBI was able to. Well, according to the 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 story, they say unencrypt the messages in Signal. A um, couple of points on this. First off, no, they can't unencrypt the messages in Signal. But in this case, they had physical possession of the device. And using tools like uh, Cellbrite or there's half a dozen other ones made by, half of them are made by Israeli companies uh, that are really good at hacking electronic devices and, and putting the phone in what's called a partial first unlock state. So think about this for a minute. If you are doing things that uh, would put you in trouble with the FBI, and you're communicating with others via signal, and they get a hold of your phone and can unlock it. Have they cracked signals encryption, or have they just unlocked your phone? Uh-huh. And it's the latter. Uh-huh. It, 
they they get, get physical possession of the phone, which is always nine tenths of of trying to crack something anyway. In, in a hacking situation, if you can keep physical possession away from somebody, that always makes it easier to keep things uh, secure. But if a hacker can, for example, you can you can tighten down your data center as much as possible. Uh, you can air gap your servers and do all the right stuff in that respect. But if somebody can walk in the front door, either contested or otherwise, and walk back out with hard drives or physical devices, you're lost at that point. It doesn't matter how good your encryption scheme is. It's just a matter of time before they crack it. And when, when the FBI or any law enforcement agency has physical possession of an unwiped phone, I mean, if, if you're this paranoid and, and you're doing something illegal, you should be, uh, no, I'm not going to give any advice to criminals. You, you figure this out on your own. But the point is, if, if, you've, if you have the incriminating inf- information on the phone um, and, and law enforcement get a hold of that, yeah, they're going to crack it. It may take them a while. It may, they may have to harangue Apple or, or Google to say, hey, unlock this thing. But eventually they're going to get in, especially if, if they've got all the time they need and you can't get the device to, to wipe it clean. So uh, Signal, as far as I know, there's 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 no credible uh, evidence to suggest that the, the encryption can be broken uh, by any known uh, decryption scheme. I did see an article on, on uh, one of the websites I follow that uh, Signal's uh, GitHub repository, their, their source code repository, hasn't been updated in almost a year, which says that, oh, maybe they're doing all these changes and they just don't want to reveal what they're doing. That's possible. I mean, I, I was joking that when Signal went down for an entire day back in January, that that was to, to break all the encryption algorithms and install bugs in the system. I was joking, of course, but who knows? Maybe... I mean, don't don't put even even on something that's supposed to be secure. Don't don't be communicating anything that would literally get you in trouble uh, with law enforcement. Which at this point is, you know, could be anything as simple as <laughs> using um, sexed pronouns. So <laughs> and by by sexed pronouns, I mean, like he, she, him, her, you know, it's um. It's going. It's it's rapidly progressing. Um, you know, cancel culture and all of that. Let's just let's cut the crap and call it what it really is. It's 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 the run up to honor killings is what it is. It's a, it's just a pre when someone is canceled. It's a pre honor killing is what it is, and so that's eventually what it's going to be. Is that it's going to be it's going to be a crime. And you are going to be a target for honor killing, just waking up breathing. You're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to speak English in public in any, in any meaningful sense. It's, I don't know. I'm, I'm, my thing right now is debating about whether or not I should just completely, totally get rid of my telephone. Totally. Because, I mean, I don't, I don't really need it. I don't, I don't call anybody anymore. I mean, I don't do that. Um, I can communicate and on the rare, the rare instances when, where I need to use telephony, I can, I can do it through my laptop. I'd have to be at home, but you know, that's where most of that happens anyway. I, I have, I've made, you know, fewer than 10 phone calls in probably the last three years. I mean, I literally do not use the telephone. And so why should I, I've stopped carrying it for security, which is, which is ironic because I don't, I don't wear a mask. And so every time I leave the house, I kind of assume that it's possible that I could be arrested. And so I just stopped carrying the phone. Um, all I carry is my driver's license now. And, um, 
that's it. So maybe I should just get rid of the phone altogether. And there's then one, one less thing that they'll be able to, um, they'll be able to execute my honor killing with, you know? So I know it's kind of a debate. It depends on, I mean, my, my position and station in life, I, I could completely exist without a phone, but I understand that people who have families and so forth, that would be asking a tremendous amount, but I don't know, maybe revert to the flip phone again. Yeah, the, the problem I, with that is flip phones tend to work on 2G and 3G networks. Um, and I was just reading something the other day that, uh, in the U.S., by the end of 2021, everything that is sub 4G is going to be turned off. No kidding. Yeah, well, so, that's valuable information. I didn't know that. And wow. they're, they're they're definitely pushing toward um, getting getting everybody upgraded to 5G for a number of reasons. They they can handle a lot more traffic on the 5G network uh, if they can get everything um, up to one standard or even at least 4G and 5G, which is LTE and 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 the newer stuff. Then they don't have to have five different sets of infrastructure running at any any one time. AT and T has the biggest problem with this. I think they're still supporting 2G. I don't know if it's nationally or just part of part of the the nation but they they are running on any of their cell towers or in any metro area they're running four parallel sets of communication technology on their towers well mm-hmm. that'd be it'd be a boon for them if they could pull a t-mobile and say we're all going to be 4g 5g by the end of the year which means hey we, we can just cut loose everything in the past oh no, by the way everyone who had a, had a sprint cdma phone you're going to have to switch your phone this year you probably already if you're a sprint customer you probably already got notified on that one but uh, there, there are other kinds of ancillary things that come along with, with moving everyone toward 5G is the fact that uh, the, the marketing data that the cell phone companies can, can generate based on knowing where you are. And not generally like you're within three miles of this tower. No, <laughs> they're going to know within a, a foot, foot of where you are. I mean, yeah, it, it's not going to be hand grenades and horseshoes. It's going to be sniper range to yep. know exactly where you are. And, yep. and this is because of the technology of 5G that we've talked about on, or I've, I've talked about on a previous podcast. It's something called beamforming. So the, the antennas can, they, they don't send a, a, a signal to you within their entire sphere of, of, of broadcast range, they sent a pencil focused beam at you. And so they know where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if they can get two towers on you, that's, that's uh, they know even, even more, more exactly. And if they can get three, they, they've got you down to about an inch. I mean, literally snipe. You, you could have a, you could have a Skynet drone with a, with a gun, shoot you down based on your positioning on 5g now you could take it for the nefarious purposes like i just mentioned there or you could say for marketing purposes where was Anne during all this point in time oh she went to starbucks oh she went to uh mass or actually probably the other way around um well okay not a lot of marketing data can be can be grabbed from that but think about where you go on a daily basis and where where you are and when you're at those places what that says about you and your buying habits and how you can be marketed to i mean the the uh, cell phone companies have have, have uh, lusted after this data for a long time, and Facebook's had it all along because they can put an app on your phone that just uses the GPS, whereas the, the, the cellular carriers, unless they can get you to put an app on your phone, maybe they call it visual voicemail, maybe they call it something else, unless they can put something on your phone that is collecting GPS information off of that and then sending it back into their network, they can't tell really where you are. Uh, but 5G, that'll definitely tell them where, where you are at all times. Well, and the obvious final point is, is that the whole paradigm of having a death vax passport, basically, essentially a mark of the beast, um, that's going to 
determine whether or not you're able to participate in the economy in, in any meaningful way. Can't, can't have that on a flip phone. You have to have a smartphone. So, you know, you're there, you've got to get all of these, um, elderly people and, and, you know, people who are just resistant to all this. And there's a, there's a non-trivial number of them around. You're going to have to force all of those people to get, um, a smartphone. Now they're just, and, probably, they're just um, tattoo a yellow star to your forearm. Well, yeah, exactly. Tattoo a yellow star. Yes, absolutely. There are, star- they're already starting to do crap like that. Um, I'm, I'm tempted to make one, make one for myself and, and, you know, carry it, carry it in my backpack. And if, if any cops hassle me, I'll say, Oh, how about, how about, how about if I just wear this yellow star like this, would that, would that be okay? I think, who is it that's doing it? I think it was somewhere in Germany that. No, they're not doing yellow stars in Germany, are they? Yeah. 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 And you, you just look at that and and the Germans are so obsessed and so self self-loathing still about you know guilt about World War II and it was the it was somewhere in Germany I think if it wasn't Germany it was the UK but man I want to say it was Germany because it was just you know your your jaw just hangs open that there somebody went into a grocery store and didn't have a mask on and they had a medical exemption letter or something and the the grocery store said, "Okay, well, you have to wear this sticker," and it was a yellow star. And we're, oh oh, was it was that just gosh. like dumb luck of the draw? Because um, a couple of months ago, when I, when I took one of my kids into to get their dentistry appointment, you have to go through the the front door of the it's a university clinic where they a dentistry clinic or a dental school, and and uh, they of course take your temperature and ask you five questions about your health and all this other other nonsense, and then they they actually had a, a sticker that you're supposed to wear in your shirt, and it was in the form of a star. And I looked at them and it's like, are you serious? And they're like, what? And it's like you want me to wear a star, and they the, the of course Americans. Did don't you get, explain it to them? I did. I said you realize that this was this was the symbol that Jews in, in Germany had to wear. Mm-hmm. And and they're like, really? It's like. Yeah, I'm talking. I'm talking to the intelligentsia here, obviously. Yeah, right. But, but yeah, I, I can I can see where. And, and by the way, after that visit, never had any shapes other than a circle. <laughs> <laughs> I can see where maybe that was that was just the stickers they had available. I'm, yeah. I'm guessing it wasn't a six pointed star, probably a five pointed star. Okay, uh, I don't I don't know. I can't remember from the store. I'll I'll try to see if I can find the link and I'll send it to you. I don't remember. Okay. We'll put that in the show notes if you can find it. Um, yeah. And if I get this posted quickly, then I'll just have to add it later. Or maybe it can be a separate blog post. Sure. Okay. Deal. I'm out of my notes for today. All right. Well, let's call it a snack pack and wrap this bad boy up. Yeah. Our, our little half hour podcast came in at an hour and two minutes so far. <laughs> that's short for us. So, yeah. <laughs> As we've said before, that's how we roll. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, then the I'll, I'll go ahead and start the wrap up here. The email address for the podcast, where you can send feedback, comments, suggestions, or corrections to the things we said and got wrong, uh, or good news items for wrapping up the podcast. The email address is podcast at barnhart.biz. Or if you know why you want to use Proton Mail, you can email me supernerd at protonmail.com. And if you don't know why that's important, then just don't use that one. Use podcast at barnhart.biz. Anne expresses her profound gratitude to her all of her benefactors. At least one mass is said every single day mm-hmm. uh, for the benefactors. Plus one traditional Catholic requiem mass is said for everybody who died in the previous week. Uh, 
please pray for the priests. I mean, uh, Lent is a time of almsgiving, not uh-huh. just monetarily, but also spiritually as well. Pray for for the poor souls, like we, like uh, I've mentioned m- many times. Pray for for sinners who have nobody else to pray for them. Pray for the priests. If we don't have the priests, then even if you can reach somebody and open them up to a conversion, uh, but if there's no priest to hear their confession, they may decide uh, not change my mind. So pray. And, and and I was just talking, helping a friend with uh, computer work, and and um, recently, and he, he was talking about. Um, he he was he was talking to a woman in, in in the in the in the hospital. He's an attorney, so he was doing a state uh, settling estate matters, and mm. and talked to her about about um, conversion, and because she wasn't Catholic, and he said, "Well, you, do you basically long story short, she was willing to convert and and to be baptized, and called the priest, said she's willing to convert right now." And the priest's like, "Yeah, I've heard this kind of story before." I was like, "No, seriously, she's ready to convert." And it was really hard for him to convince the priest, yes, to come. And he had another story like that of somebody who was willing to make a confession. Um, again, somebody who who was not, um, is even warned by the family, don't bring up religion before going to talk to him. And it's another one of these things about settling the, the estate before he before he passes away. Uh-huh. And he had been raised Catholic and uh, hadn't gone to confession in like 50 years or whatever. And and uh, he and this guy talked him into to going to confession and then he calls the priest and it was harder to get the priest to come hear his confession than yeah. to talk the guy into, into confessing. So pray for priests. Uh, not obviously the, the, obviously he wasn't calling the, the, uh, the, the your, your favorite uh, local tritty priest in this case. Um, actually in one case he did, but they couldn't get a hold of them. They were busy and, and were on other calls. But so he had to call somebody who's not a trad priest and, you know, pray pray for these priests to respond to their vocation when 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 they're called when when it's authentic. So yeah, yeah, it's um you know every once in a while I get an email from somebody who says you know I've been a longtime reader blah 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 I'm I'm ready to enter the church. Um, I've looked around I don't see any Latin mass parish. What sh- what should I do? And the fact that I can't that I can't in good conscience tell them to just walk into a Novus Ordo parish. I mean it's it's so frustrating because you're, you're you're just terrified that if they walk into a Novus Ordo parish, oh my gosh! I mean, and and now, I mean, obviously now with the Corona scam, you can't just walk into a Novus Ordo parish. Um, but even even before, I can't I can't recommend. Oh, just go to, just go to your your closest Catholic church. Oh, no way, no way. If 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 half of them or more than half of them are gay, I mean you're taking that risk. Um, if half or more than half of them are completely uncatechized or don't believe any of it, which a lot of them don't, if if you if you send somebody, if you tell somebody to just walk into a Catholic church, it could completely destroy the whole potential conversion process. The frustration in that, in just not being able to say, go to any Catholic church. That's that's just horrific and so not pray for all priests pray for um pray for pray for the bad ones to become good ones and then pray for the good ones to have the stamina to be able to um to work the harvest as our lord said the harvest is great but the laborers are few man if that ain't the truth so yes pray 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 for priests without ceasing yeah and if you're in that scenario or situation um circumstance how many other words can come up with here uh where where you you want to 
join the Catholic Church or find a good parish and you're not sure where to where there is one in your neighborhood or in your area, I should say, ironically, go to Planned Parenthood and look for somebody who is carrying a rosary. That's Those actually, are, <laughs> yep, yep. And, and, and walk up to them and just simply tell them why you're there. I want to become mm-hmm. a Catholic and I don't want to go to just any parish. I want to go to where they, to our, I want to find a priest who's serious about the faith and will, who will catechize me correctly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ironically, and, that's where you're going to find serious Catholics. Man, and if you should happen to see a priest in a cassock, that's also, whether it's at Planned, Planned Parenthood or anywhere, if you see a priest in a cassock, that's that's increasing your odds tremendously right there. But make sure that he's Catholic. Make sure he's Roman Catholic. Absolutely. Uh, the Barnhart Podcast is a production of Super Nerd Media. If you found something of value in this short podcast or the other podcasts that we've done, and would like to return some value, please visit supernerdmedia.com for more information. And I'd like to recognize a few donors since our last podcast um, via the postal service, uh, Richard, Rick, James, and Steven, and via the, via PayPal, Craig, Jeffrey, and M. I, that's all their identifying information there was, was M. I don't know, I don't know how they did that, but cool. Um, and then via PayPal, an anonymous donor. So, and I'm not saying that they said keep my name anonymous. I have no idea who it was. I just something came in and it was through the address where the super nerd stuff via Amazon comes in. It's like I didn't know you could completely leave your name off of it. So <laughs> uh, thank you very much. And I'll let and you if re- and if any of the listeners out there um, heard as super nerd was running down that list of people and heard him say Rick James and laughed <laughs> like I did, <laughs> please please send an email to I laughed at Rick James at Barnard. <laughs> <laughs> super nerd do you know who rick james is i do know who he is okay yes, okay, I, okay. I, yes and, well, and whatever uh, was excuse me was <laughs> i think very much was <laughs> but i i i uh snorfled a little bit when you when you when you said that that was funny <laughs> there are commas in my notes but i didn't say them or i didn't i didn't enunciate that very well and and um Oh, so on, on the last podcast, I mentioned Mr. Clinton, and the, the whole point where there was was the, the joke about Lewis Rossman's cat. Uh, he calls yes. him uh, uh, Mr. Clinton. Obviously, the donor uh, didn't wasn't really Mr. Clinton, and and I don't think he knew that joke. <laughs> so, I, oh, Mr. Clinton, Mr. Clinton has a new video out. He's been a very naughty kitty. Um, he gets into the treats. And every time he gets into the treats clandestinely, he ends up with the plastic um, wrapper of the treats around his neck. <laughs> and and Lewis Rossman has this fantastic video of um, interrogating Mr. Clinton about the uh, telltale plastic ring around his neck from the treats bag, and it's uh, it's quality content as 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 Rossman describes it. So we'll put that in the show notes too. <laughs> I was just writing that down right now, yeah. and and uh, I'll let you wrap up with Matthew seventeen twenty. Matthew 17, 20 is, of course, fasting and pra- fasting twice a week if you can and praying every day without ceasing um, for our fourfold intention that Bergoglio be publicly recognized and removed as anti-Pope and the whole thing be nullified, that Pope Benedict Ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living Pope since April of 2005, that Bergoglio re- uh, repent, revert to Catholicism, die in a state of grace in the fullness of time and someday achieve the beatific vision and that likewise pope benedict repent of whatever he might need to repent of um 
die in a state of grace in the fullness of time and someday achieve the beatific vision. Nothing less will do. Our Lady Undoer of Knots, pray for us. And until next time, I'm Super Nerd. And I'm Anne. Thanks, guys. God bless. God bless.